We want our kids to understand that if you're going to exchange your time for money, you need to exchange it in a way that is skilled and you can maximize the amount of income you can bring in during that time. Welcome to the Quiet Wealth Podcast, where we talk about money mindset, how not to be broke, simple step-by-step strategies to conquer your finances, and the entrepreneurial spirit that will get you there. Your host, Camilla Jeffs, has been a student of money for over 20 years. She started out broke and has built real wealth for her family through steps you can copy. Camilla is on a mission to help thousands of people just like you build true financial stability. Welcome back to the Quiet Wealth Podcast. I am so excited that you're here and you are taking this moment out of your day to educate yourself and to really learn what you need to learn. Here at Quiet Wealth, we talk about investing, business building, and how to set up the next generation for financial success. And today is the third part of my series of how to teach your kids about money. And we're talking about our 16 to 20 year olds. Now, first, I want to back up a little bit. Why do kids even need to know about money? Sometimes parents are like, "Ah, it's, it's too hard. Should I really even do this? But guess what? The data shows that 75% of Americans are just winging it when it comes to their financial future. And every year, money is noted as one of the top stressors for Americans. So understanding money is just a fundamental part of being an adult. And I know it can seem really daunting to teach your kids about money when maybe you're not quite sure yourself, but you had to teach them how to drive, right? When my oldest turned 15 and she could get her driver permit, I was aghast that we went to the, we went to go get her permit and they're like, okay, here's her permit. And now she's going to drive with you, mom and dad for, you know, the next six months. And she has to put in so many hours and you got to sit there with her and help her. And I was like, well, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I don't know how to teach someone how to drive. I know how to drive, right? I, I, I know how to drive, but do I do it right? I don't know. I don't even know if I do it right. But now I have to teach this child how to drive and I have to not die in the process. So this was the challenge. But it was important. It was important for me to do some research, to sit down and do some research and figure out, okay, how do I teach my child how to drive? What are the proper ways? What's the proper way to hold the steering wheel? Because I, I was not holding it properly when I was driving because I'd been driving for 20 years. And what are the important things that she needs to know and focus on? Well, the same thing happens with our finances, right? Where you can't just throw the kids out into the world and hope they're going to figure it out. That would be just as dangerous as as giving them a driver's license without ever teaching them anything. So today we're going to focus on what the 16 to 20 year old needs to know about money. The first thing that we do at age 16, right, is typically the age when they can get a a real job. So for our kids, we encourage skilled jobs. We are not encouraging them to go work at Sonic, for example, because we want our kids to understand that if you're going to exchange your time for money, you need to exchange it in a way that is skilled and you can maximize the amount of income you can bring in during that time. So we ask our kids to find a skill, work hard on that skill, and then use that skill to make money. For example, one of my twin daughters is a senior in high school. She's interested in becoming either a pharmacologist or a anesthesiologist. And so she is taking some classes about pharmacology and drugs and learning about all of those things. 
Well, she is now working at a pharmacy and she has used those skills that she has learned that not many people have, right? Not many of us know much about pharmacy. I mean, I don't know anything about it. She comes home and is all excited to tell me about all the drugs and how she's making compounds. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing, honey. And I have no clue what she's talking about, but I try to understand. But with that, she can go and then she now she can earn almost double what she could earn at a place like Sonic, for example, or McDonald's. So that's important. My other daughter, she has been applied herself at the piano. So we are musicians at our house and and we work hard at that skill and that craft. I'm not going to say that we're like uber talented because I think talent is also a skill. It's something that you develop over time. And so she has worked really hard on this skill of the piano. And now she's in a place where she can teach piano to others. She makes $50 an hour. Now, how many high school kids do you know that make $50 an hour? Not very many. And so she doesn't really even have to work that many hours in a week to earn the same amount that someone who would be working full time at a restaurant after school would be. So skilled jobs is really important as, as they go forward because as they're, they do this under your wing, now that when they leave and they go to get a job, they can really look for skilled jobs and develop it so that they can maximize their earning potential. Okay, the second thing we do with them is we continue to encourage giving and saving. We insist on giving 10% to charity of their choice and saving 10% for college or a future business. And we still match this amount as parents. So the, the savings for college or a future business. I had a parent ask me the other day about choice for kids. You know, in my system and the financial system that we use with our kids, we insisted on certain things. And he was wondering, well, wouldn't you just give them a choice to save or not save? After all, when they are adults, that's what they have to do. And I said, you know, I understand where you're coming from. And I was thinking about this, but I also thought about, well, what was, what's my philosophy on children eating veggies? How much choice do I give them? Of course, I offer it and say, here's the veggies. But do I allow them to refuse and say, no, I'm just going to eat cookies instead? Mm, no, I did not. I did not allow that to happen. And so there was, it's an interesting balance with choice. And you'll have to kind of figure that out as your own parent. But there's certain things I think that you can insist on as a parent and you can insist your children do. Like I insist my children wear nice clothes to church. You know, they can't show up in their shorts and t-shirt at church. And it's just part of what we do in our family. The next thing we do is we start asking our children ages 16 to 20 to start paying for more expenses. At this age, the kids should be responsible for paying for things like their own gas, entertainment at a minimum. You can decide how much you want. I know families who actually have their kids pay rent at this point. They pay for their own groceries. They go out and they buy their own food. There's lots of different ways that you can do this, but think about in your family, how can your kids start contributing and start really owning a lot of those expenses? Because an interesting thing happens with my kids. As soon as they have to start paying for gas and their own entertainment, they actually use the car less and they don't go to the movies as often. So win-win, right? Saves you money as a parent too. Another thing that's really important at this age is to ask them to read finance books. Now, I know a family who pays their kids 20 bucks a book. So a couple of ones that I really like, I like my kids to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I want them to read Opt Out and I want them to read The Go-Giver. These are three really important financial books that have made a big difference in my life. And I'll link to that in the show notes for you. Another thing. Now, 
kids this age, they love their phones. Almost all of them will have phones by this age and they like their social media. Well, one of the things I was thinking about the other day was how can I really help my kids have a more positive experience on social media? Because I know a lot of parents are like hated and try to try to get rid of it. But I want my kids to look for the good in things and use them for good. And so one of the things I've asked my children to do is to start following finance influencers. And you can find finance influencers on TikTok, on Instagram, all those places where and they can they can have these constructive people in their lives that are actually giving out really positive money messages and the consistency and the repetitiveness of these positive money messages will really help them as they are going into their their future with their finances. Okay, this is a prime age to start building their credit. You can add your children to your credit card. I would suggest not giving them the actual card right away because that might be scary and they might abuse it. Just add them to your credit card. Don't give them an actual card. And you're doing this so that they can immediately start building credit based on your credit. Now, of course, if your credit score is awful, probably not a good option. But it's important for them to start building their own credit so that when they step into their adult life, and get into investing and being able to do a lot of these things, they have really great credit in order to have access to some of the best loans out there. Another thing you should do is start inviting them into the financial conversations. Open up your financial lives to your children. I know some parents may be really hesitant to maybe tell their children how much money they make or the expenses that they're going on, but it's actually really important for kids to understand the ins and outs of a family budget. A great exercise you can do is you can you can use Monopoly money or any game money that you have and dump all that money out on the table and then count it out and be like, okay, here's mom's salary, here's dad's salary. Here is the extra money coming in from our investments. So here's the pool of money that we have to use for the month. Now let's divide it out. Here's how much we pay to the house. Here's how much we pay in utilities. Here's how much we pay in groceries, etc. And then they can really understand because it becomes visual. The kids are still visual, even at this age, right? They can start to understand a little more non-visual concepts, but it's the visual aspect of it is still very helpful. The next strategy that we use is shifting income to invest. Now, if you own a business, and I think everyone should, even if it's a small business, you can use a tax strategy where you pay your children and you shift income. It's up, it's between $12,000 to $13,000 per kid without paying taxes. Then your child can open like a Roth IRA or they can go and they can invest it in real estate and then they can really start investing. Now, we all know the power of compound interest and the effect of starting young. Using this strategy almost guarantees them becoming millionaires. Finally, the last strategy that we do with our kids is we insist on no debt in college and honestly, maybe even question if college is the right path. No, this is like tricky. So for, for people of my generation, who have teenage kids who are just, you know, heading off to college, it happens if you didn't save money for them for college. I mean, how can they even possibly get through college without going into debt and getting a student loan? And some people think that student loans is a good investment in yourself. And I have to disagree. I am so freaked out by the amount of student loan debt that is out there that people are just drowning. It takes over 20 years for people to pay back 
the student loan debt that they get into to get that degree. And I just think it's unnecessary. There are so many strategies out there to help your kids not go into debt, even if you're not paying for it. So for our family, we're not paying for our kids' college. It's not something that we could do. So in the beginning, you know, when we were young and broke, we had five little kids. We could not start any of those 529 plans. And, and honestly, we looked at them and we didn't like them. We didn't like the fact that they would be heavily controlled by the government about what you could use the money for and what you could not use the money for. And we wanted our kids to have choice with any money that we saved for them. And so we decided not to do a 529. And I'll get into that a little bit more in depth in another episode. It is possible for kids to go to school and go to college, get a degree, and do it without debt and without you as a parent paying for them. A really great book to read on this is Debt-Free Degree. It's by Anthony O'Neill. I'll link to that in the show notes. But let me tell you our experience. So currently, oldest is in college. She is in her senior year of college, and she is cash flowing her degree. Now, how did she do that? She paid for the first semester, and we gave her $10,000 for housing, for her to start her housing. And after that, she's on her own. So she paid for her first semester and then she achieved stellar grades, which gave her a scholarship for the next three semesters. And that was awesome. So now she was going to school for free, right? Now, unfortunately, her school did away with the academic scholarships. So what did she do instead? Well, she worked on campus. She did a summer internship. She looked for ways to earn money and bring money in to be able to cover all of those tuition expenses and her future housing expenses. And as she really carefully budgets and continues to work, she is going to graduate debt-free with a degree in computer science and entrepreneurship. And we helped her just a little bit. This is the power of it. Now, my two daughters who are twins, who are in who are seniors in high school, they're also figuring this out, right? One has decided to go into real estate construction. And we had a really lengthy discussion with her about, does that require a degree? So of course, there are construction management degrees that you can go to college and you can get. And then that puts you in a job that's behind a desk. She did not want that. She did not want to work behind a computer. She wants to work with her hands. So we said, okay, well, how about trade school? Maybe you can go to trade school and you can become a uh, electrician or plumber or a carpenter, any of those. And so we've talked to a lot of people. We've just, we've you know tried to figure out that path. And she's decided that she really just wants to be a general contractor and she wants to flip houses. So she just wants to go in and renovate houses and go into real estate construction. And so we've determined that there's actually no need for her to go to a institution and pay thousands and th- tens and 20, hundreds of thousands of dollars to get trained in this when she can just go straight into it and she can learn on the job. Now, my other daughter wants to be an anesthesiologist. So she is going to be in school for a long time. Getting through med school debt-free is going to be tricky, but we are committed to finding a way. We'll probably be using real estate to help her through that med school to be able to get her to graduate debt-free. But imagine how amazing that would be. She would be like one of the only people to ever graduate debt-free from med school by working and getting there herself rather than, you know, someone else paying for it. So 
It's really, really important to me and my family that the kids are set up for financial success. And you cannot be set up for financial success if you start in the hole. And that's what is important here. And so we're talking to our kids all the time about things that they can do, scholarships they can apply for, that they can do to get earn money to be able to go to school. And those are the things that we're doing. So that's what we're doing for kids ages 16 to 20. It's an important age, a really critical age that you're having all of these conversations with them. And you know what's a really great byproduct of all of these conversations about money? Your relationship with them gets better and better every day because you're focused on having conversations. You're actually talking to them. You're getting their input. You're talking about all these different things that they could do. You're trying to figure it out together. And the relationship just gets stronger and stronger. So as they start to go off into an adult on their own, they're still going to enjoy being with you. And and I know a lot of parents have trouble with teenagers, but if you are willing to have these conversations and engage with them and help them in this, it's just going to bring you both closer together. That's what I have for now. Please share the episode with a friend who has teenage kids who needs this, who needs some help with it. And uh, remember to connect with me on social media at the Quiet Wealth Community on Instagram because I'm posting a lot of things on there as well. Thanks so much for joining. Bye for now. Thanks so much for joining us on the Quiet Wealth Podcast. If you want more, head on over to camillajeffs.com slash podcast to get the show notes and dive into other juicy episodes. While you're there, be sure to grab the free guide to building wealth. And if you know a friend who is struggling with money, please send this episode to them. Let's share the wealth in as many ways as we can. Until next time, wishing you much success.